0: what's up what's up bitches and happy monday if you're listening to this on monday the day i'm posting this happy monday if you're not listening to this on monday just happy day it's your host leah this is the positively uncensored podcast and thank you for coming back for another week just a reminder in case you're new here, this is a reality TV and interview podcast. So I will be covering all things reality, all things, my thoughts, all things uncensored. And I'm really excited for this particular episode because a lot of good TV has been happening, a lot of good things to talk about, and I've been doing some things. I usually don't have very many life updates, But you know, this time and lately, I've been out, I've been taking trips, I've been doing things, so I'm excited to give you guys a little bit of personal life, all that good stuff. Before we get into things, just some general housekeeping and a reminder to follow the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. The best way to support me is to follow the podcast, leave me a review so that I can get gassed up. Hear some kind things. Other people can see the listeners interacting with my content. We can boost me up on the charts, get the podcast out there to some different people. All I want to do is connect with more and more like-minded individuals. So a review, follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Patreon, all of that is so much appreciated. And on that note, thank you to my Patreon subscribers. Shout out to everyone who follows me and you know keeps up monthly. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you to everyone who's keeping up with me. Love you all. There's your shout out. Let's get into some of the shows I've been watching, starting with what you all need to get caught up on. So the ultimatum dropped on netflix we have about eight episodes out this is season two and it's a spinoff sort of because it's not just heterosexual couples this is an entire queer season ultimatum queer love i love this season um as someone who is not a part of the queer community, you know, I'm just a straight woman, watching it is a little eye-opening to me just because I wasn't aware of some of the differences between, like, the heteronormative relationships and... Um, It's really interesting, like I just said, to see some of the differences. I love to see the communication between the couples. Um, I definitely think, as always in reality TV, there's room for it to be better. I would love to see therapists present. It's such an emotional show. You feel such attachment to these couples and everything that everyone is dealing with, all of the trauma that they've had going on since before the show – and as an empath, I would just love to see therapy on the show. I've been deep diving this show heavily on TikTok the first few episodes, and I've gotten such an outpour of a response, which I'm so excited about, but it's a lot. So I've you know held back on making a couple of videos, but I'm going to make more as new episodes drop. I recommend everyone, like I said earlier, go check me out on TikTok and stay tuned because I have a spinoff podcast coming just to talk about this particular series, so definitely get caught up. Stay tuned for the spinoff podcast. It's the ultimatum, uncensored, and yep, I already have it created on Spotify, just waiting to post my first episode. Stay tuned. I have yet to start the new HBO series that's highly controversial with The Weeknd, and I think her name's Lily Depp. Apologies if I got that wrong, but it's called The Idol. Friends have been saying it's so triggering, you know, like they could barely get through it. That's the general outpour I've heard online. But I'm going to give the series a try and then give you all my opinions. All I can do is watch things through my perspective and through my lens and see if I can get through it. If you've been following the podcast for a while... Um, You may know that I've had a journey with the weight loss in the past. Um, So if you're new here, you know, I, I in the past I did lose about 80 pounds and, you know, I've stayed at the current weight that I'm at now for a while. And sometimes when I watch things that focus too heavily on body image or being skinny, it's triggering for me. So trigger warning, you know, I'm not sure if I'll be able to watch this series, you know, how it will resonate. We'll see. But as always, like I said, I'm going to give you my honest opinion. If you have some body image issues, if you've ever dealt with that, this show may be highly triggering to you as well. So keep that in mind before pressing play on HBO, which is now called The Max or just Max. This is annoying me. What is with all of the streaming platforms changing gears? And I can't even talk about the ultimatum on Netflix without saying F you Netflix for I I really thought that they weren't going to double down on the households and charging per screen once they got rid of shows that everyone coveted and loved once their content was really kind of lacking and lackluster. I didn't think they were going to do it, but we got the news. Netflix is now charging $7.99 additional per month for any screens outside of the household. So if you're borrowing your sister's account, if you're sharing your account with a friend, just know that if you're not in the same house, Netflix is going to catch you soon and they're going to charge you. So, ugh, I can't stand it. Between HBO changing the name to Just Max having to re-sign in on the app, re-download stuff, Netflix, upping the costs, having to create my own subscription soon. I just wish there was one streaming service that had everything. And if there is and I'm behind, somebody let me know because I'm trying to watch all this content and it just seems like it's never ending with the subscription services I'm paying for. I plugged a little bit of the new podcast spinoff I'm doing, but I want to let you all know that I'm going to be doing multiple spinoffs. So I love Positively Uncensored. It's my baby. It always will be. I will continue bringing great episodes and great content, but I'm going to focus on Positively Uncensored being reality TV and interviews bringing you guys the shows that I think you should be watching, you know, life updates, thoughts I have in general, you know, things I've been feeling. So that's going to be the focus of this podcast. And I'm going to have several spinoffs to specifically deep dive into shows that I know my listeners are watching, that I know are really hot right now. I'm just coming at you from different channels and I'm super excited about it. So Positively Uncensored will still be getting all the great content. It's the hub house for all of my other podcasts. But with that being said, Vanderpump Rules Uncensored is also dropping because there's so much going on in the world of Vanderpump Rules that I can't just talk about it all the time on Positively Uncensored. It's almost like I need an outlet to deep dive these shows with all of you. So that's what I'm doing. Plug... Vanderpump Rules Uncensored debuting this week. I'm not sure if I'm going to post it on Wednesday or on Thursday, but we have part three of the reunion finale coming to us live on Wednesday, 9 p.m. And this is supposedly the episode where we hear what T. Raquel says that changes the game, changes the cast's feelings, potentially some people aren't going to film. This is the big episode, so... Like I said, I had to create another podcast just for me to deep dive all of these reunion series, really go into theories, keep up with the drama outside of the season, and not just spend entirely positively uncensored talking about one show. So if you're following me and you love Vanderpump Rules, stay tuned. Keep an eye out for my second podcast that will be talking solely about the show with Bravo on the brain. We just had the part two reunion of Summer House. We're done with the reunion episodes. We saw some resolution between Danielle and Lindsay. I'm not sure if it's going to stick, but we saw some amends between the friendships. I think that Danielle pled her case very well. I think that emotions plus drinking can... Illicit responses that you regret. I think that when you have them recorded on camera and you have to consistently replay that over in your head, and your friend has that to go and watch back, it's almost like the betrayal never ends because you just can't get away from it. You know, in relationships in real life, people can talk about each other behind one another's back without cameras picking up every word, and you never even hear about it. Like it's just something that you move on from in your friendship without knowing not on Summer House, not for Danielle and Lindsay. This has been boiling up for seasons, but everybody knows that Danielle wants to be best friends with Lindsay, despite going to what I'm going to call the mean girls on the show, because that's kind of how I feel about them. So despite going to the mean girls and specifically Paige, because To me, lately, and I loved Paige, but she's kind of felt like the ringleader. I felt like she was unhappy with Craig. I feel like she wants a hot girl summer. I think she wants all of her friends around her. And if you're watching Summer House, Martha's Vineyard, where Jasmine just really wants Jordan to be married, I think Paige just really wants everyone to be single. Um, I think that she can't say yet that she doesn't want to be with Craig because that was not released in the reunion, despite knowing... That they split, but I think that her unhappiness in her relationship finds community in someone who's single. You know, she has Sierra who's single. She has Maya who was in kind of a toxic relationship with Oliver who ended up being a huge piece of shit. We find out he cheated on her 11 separate times. Um, do I wish that we saw more of that? Yes. Um I know that that's a lot for people to go through on camera, cheating. We've seen Amanda go through it numerous times with Kyle, but yeah, I don't know. I can't be the only one a little disappointed that we're supposed to be let in all of their lives and access to their friends, their family, their relationships, all of what's going on during the summer. And we only saw like snippets of conversations between Maya and Oliver and the resolution between their relationship, but anyways, they wrap, Paige is unhappy, her friends are single, you know, she's there for Danielle, but in a sense of, you know, kind of just wanting Danielle to be a part of her clique, you know, like it's not even that she was really embracing Danielle, um, and making her feel better. Because in the, at the same time, whatever Danielle told her in confidence, she took and was in Lindsay's ear, using against her to say, like, look, Lindsay, even your best friend thinks this of you. And this is what she's saying. We all think you're crazy. Even Danielle does. Just listen to the tea. Nobody supports your relationship with Carl. That is the tone that it took for me. And regardless of what people think about Carl and Lindsay together... That was mean. That was a mean move. And props to Danielle at the reunion for calling out Paige, for telling Paige that that was not cool she ever did that, never do that again. Pa- Paige's reactions were just like sending me during that reunion, though. Like her face when something was said earlier, like she was called the ops by someone on Twitter. It was such a big reaction her face and not really even acknowledging how shitty it was just kind of laughing when Danielle said, you know, you threw me under the bus. Don't ever do that again. That was valid. You know, you're just trying to create drama for the show so that no one's talking about you and Craig. That's what it felt like to me. I'm glad the season is done. I'm glad that we had the new additions of Sam, Fahair, Corey, and Gabby. I'm really glad that they're on Chris is kind of like a back burner figure. Once again, they try to bring someone in and make them like a household, I guess, guest on the show. And I'm just not really feeling Chris that much. I did like the idea that maybe him and Danielle have a relationship that could occur. Um, You know, if that happens, that would be exciting to watch on camera, but You know, once again, he's just not a Kyle Cook. He's not a Carl Radke. He's not someone that's going to be a huge player on the show, in my opinion. But the other newbies were great. I loved Gabby and how she was able to assist Lindsay and other people in speaking their feelings. Everything Gabby said felt like she was truly um, helping the conversation, moving it in a positive direction. And I loved that she really wasn't like biased, you know, like she's open to hearing both sides and she just has an opinion. Um, I loved her reactions. I'm so glad that she is on the show. Um, It it was everything for me, to be honest. I'm not sure predictions I have for next season of regular Summer House. I have to be honest, I'm getting a little bit bored unless there's something that's going to happen, a big scandal, like what happened in Vanderpump Rules, this show, once the cast has been so fermented and so in place, it's just, it gets a little boring. Like, you know, it like gets a little redundant. Like, how many times can we see Carl and Lindsay call each other babe? How many times can we see Amanda throw a party and, you know, Kyle having a great time? It's, it's just missing a little bit of something. And the blow ups between Lindsay and Danielle didn't really do it for me. Well, on the topic of Bravo, if you have never watched Real Housewives of Atlanta, you need to watch it. I'm, behi- I'm so behind. I started getting into it maybe a month ago, maybe two months ago. I finally made it to season five. I've been told by friends, I've been told by listeners. Um, I've just been told by the community I need to watch Real Housewives of Atlanta um, and that the latest seasons, you know, are tea. So I'm I'm on season five. I finally met Kenya. I finally met Portia, who are names that I've heard a lot. So I'm excited to kind of like be in with everyone and like know who they're talking about. But this show is just everything. I'm going to do So much content on Real Housewives of Atlanta. I'm writing down some of the feuds that they're getting in so that I can talk about them. I want to live stream some of the episodes potentially on Twitch and just like react with friends. I cannot wait to talk about this show because it's just so funny. Um, It's like truly like my feel good watch um, and it makes me laugh. Some parts are sad, but I just truly enjoy the show so much. If you ever need something to watch that's just like you're going to enjoy it regardless, you need to start Real Housewives of Atlanta, and you will thank me. I think Nene is my favorite of all time. I love Nene. I love Candy. They're my favorites. Switching gears just a little bit from TV. As I mentioned in the beginning, I've been doing a lot more lately. I started therapy Hey, therapy. Everybody needs therapy, okay? To quote Vanderpump Rules and Allie, everybody needs therapy, especially men and especially James. I started therapy. I think I've had, you know, several sessions now. It is truly making a difference in my life. It's making a difference in the challenges I take, it's making a difference in how I view things. I'm so glad I started therapy. As someone who is so self-reflective and so self-aware, you sort of feel as if you can solve a lot of your own problems just by being aware of them, just by consciously trying to change them. And if that sounds like you, the amount of pressure and the amount of guilt that you will feel when you can't do it on your own is a lot. And for that reason, you should go to therapy. You are, you know, trying to do too many things, control too many, too many elements of yourself, therapy, talking to someone, having someone that I can tell everything to. And I'm an oversharer as is. So like it's like people say that they go to therapy and like they don't want to talk to them. Not me. I go to therapy and I'm like, which, like, what do you want to hear about today? Sure. There's parts of me that I lock up on and I'm specifically not talking about yet But therapy has been helpful, and I just wanted to share a little bit about some of the things I'm talking about in therapy with you. So some of the things I've struggled with is anxiety, and anxiety with a lot of things. But, you know, after living in California and having several experiences driving on the highway that just really made me nervous, it fermented An earlier fear of just kind of avoiding the highway. Um, I learned to drive a little bit later than my friends. Not like 18, but maybe like 16 and a half, 17. I learned to drive. My parents very much can um, recommended local driving. So, you know, take the back roads. No use jumping on the highway if you don't have to. I'm from Ohio where it snows all of the time. So a lot of times the highway... I just avoided anyways because it either wasn't clear and plowed or it just made me nervous to be going that fast with ice. So as you can see, a little bit of early anxiety about highway driving, just not doing it enough. You fast forward in my life when I'm in California and there's seven lanes and I drive the highway and it just gave me so much anxiety that I have been taking the back roads pretty much since then. It's something that is embarrassing for me because it's similar to when someone tells you that they genuinely have a phobia of the dentist and you just can't imagine not going to the dentist because everybody goes to the dentist. You know, that's how it feels when I talk about something like that. So even this is super uncomfortable for me, but I have made it a goal in therapy to, you know, drive the highway again, no, I'm not going to get on like a seven-lane highway. No, I'm not going to get on a highway and drive to Brooklyn. I don't know that I'll ever do that. That's not the goal that I have for myself. I just want to feel more independent and more capable. I don't need to be able to drive into the city. You know what I mean? I can take a train. I can learn to feel confident in that. But I do need to be able to feel like I can get on the highway if I need to. You know, sometimes there is a five-minute difference, and I would rather just take my GPS and take the back roads, but having the choice and not feeling as if I'm in panic on the highway is something that I'm easing into. My therapist gave me some great tips and, you know, she really encourages doing things safely. So I'm not just going to get on the highway alone and like I said, drive to Brooklyn, but what I will do is a two lane highway that I know I'm going to be driving on for a long time. I'm going to give it a try. So that's what I did this weekend. Um, I took two trips back to back. First trip, I went on with my boyfriend to Washington, D.C. to meet up with some friends. It was so much fun. It was like a five-hour drive with tons of traffic on the way there. Um and that was one of the first trips in a while that I've really, really enjoyed. Um, obviously, I take trips and I do things, but it was cathartic to me. Like, I genuinely felt present with my friends. I genuinely did what my therapist recommended, and I envisioned myself having the best time instead of picturing everything that could go wrong, you know, a potential argument, potential problem with the car, potential problem at the hotel, one problem at the hotel just turning into a bad vacation. I really tried not to let my anxiety manifest and just see the best things happening. And because of that, I had a great time. I applied that same mentality with my trip home I saw my parents, I saw my family, got that restorative, and I was also able to drive the highway for about, I'm not going to over-exaggerate, probably an hour and a half, you know, not total, but like an hour and a half at a time. So like an hour and a half, you know, on the way there, an hour and a half on the way back. And even though that's not that much, it was a big step for me, who has not been taking the highway even just you know, to go 15 minutes. So continuously being on the highway, having my car move at that speed, you know, zoning into a podcast, having my boyfriend encourage me um, and give me support. All of that feels like huge progress for someone who has just started therapy. So it's something that I wanted to share. I wanted to tell you guys how much of a relief it is to feel like I can enjoy life again um, and I'm not healed all the way. Like this is literally just the beginning. But but just a few tips that I couldn't figure out myself um, has helped my mentality a lot. So I highly recommend therapy. If you have insurance, find someone who is in your insurance. Call around. I mean, call around until you find someone you click with. You'll know over the phone after you spend those 10 minutes kind of vetting each other out, whether or not you're comfortable. If you feel any sort of reluctance to share information, if you feel any sort of weird vibe, choose someone else because having someone who I trust and who's, I have enjoyed as a therapist has helped me share more openly. And I could only hope for that experience with everyone who has therapy, even though I've heard of tons of not finding the right therapist. So I highly recommend being selective, being choosy, reading through the paperwork um, so that you're not just, you know, choosing someone who can make decisions for you, but get into therapy and let me know when you do so that we can talk about it and grow together. I want to talk about the interview that I just watched and I promote a little on my Instagram that I was going to recap the Variety interview, actor-on-actor actor, with Jeremy Allen White and Jennifer Coolidge. And I want to start with just a little snippet of the interview that I loved about kind of being uncensored. It felt like it was very on-brand with the podcast. I, my, my biggest fear is just when you're winging it, just say something comes out and you're just like, uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be horrific. Well, how did you and Mike White first get along out? So... That was the important part, and she talks about like a couple seconds later how when you're winging it, you truly have the opportunity to offend people. And when I record this podcast, it's recorded in usually like one take. It's my truly I'm winging it. These are my uncensored thoughts. These are true. This is truly how I feel. I'm always open to dialogue. I'm always open to learning. I'm always open to changing my opinion. So. I really resonated with just that really small clip. I loved it. Wanted to play it for you guys because this is positively uncensored. That's my brand. Everything is uncensored, but at that same time, because I'm so authentically and organically sharing my true thoughts and reflections with you, my thoughts change every second. You know, So something I may say in an episode, I may no longer feel even after I press play. I may no longer feel after a friend shares an opinion. So always if you can leave space for me to not offend you but come back like let me know you know I'm open to learning um this is just off the cuff so to speak so I love that quote I'm going to talk about some main points that I loved throughout the interview if you want to watch it yourself it's on YouTube like I said it's called actor on actor but you can just type in Jeremy Allen White Jennifer Coolidge and you'll find it So Jen talks about her early on in her career and how she didn't know that she was in the driver's seat. And she says that she could have ridden the wave of Legally Blonde, A Cinderella Story, American Pie. And instead, she just kind of got wrapped up on making it a small bit and then, you know, Male validation. Like she was going for guys and the guys that were going for her. And she just wasn't aware that that was her moment. And hearing her say that was really, I don't know, validating because that did happen. Like I do remember her being such a part of our childhood. Um, If you're a millennial, you, you remember this. She was a big part of every movie we were watching, and then suddenly, nowhere. And the fact that she is now, years later, back in entertainment, almost at the height of her career, she's a household name, face, everybody knows her. Um, I love that she came back. Like, I love that she, that did not dissipate in her. Her talent, her drive, her success, um, even how she talks about it, like her openness. Um, Maybe it's a good thing she took a step back from Hollywood because she has that candid nature and she's so open. But hearing that she didn't ride the wave and, you know, she missed a big opportunity just by not being aware. Wake up, everybody. If you are coming into your calling, sure, you can absolutely pick it up down the line like Jen But how empowering to hear that you are in the driver's seat. And if you feel yourself coming into your career, if you feel that promotion right there, if you feel that idea right there, um, go for it. Like when you have that momentum, take initiative and do it. It doesn't matter if you're grinding it out like sometimes that's what we have to do and I'm using this advice literally in my own life as I'm trying to grind it out and bring content and get get my podcast known just you know on my own and you know live with that momentum but if I could pass that along to you a hundred percent speak into existence what Jen says ride that momentum I love that they were both talking about their characters so much in this interview. So Jeremy played Carmen, I guess they called them Carmi, on the bear, which was on Hulu, a show about Chef, which well, I really loved. Um, Tanya was in, not Tanya, <laughs> Jennifer was in White Lotus and played Tanya, iconic. So Jeremy picks up on the fact that something similar that their characters have as it seems that they would have nothing. You know, there's a lot of differences between them. Tanya's very wealthy. Obviously, Carmen is not. um, You know, Carmen is grinding it out. He's always busy. Tanya is stagnant and, you know, kind of just living in her rich girl fantasy. That's what I would say. But a similarity is that they're both anxious and they're both lonely. And hearing his analysis of that Felt very spot on. And I love to hear how Jennifer says that Tanya dealt with loneliness by being stagnant and not being active until her ending, because it is such an irony that she's really not moving around and like making moves and doing all of these things until all of a sudden she has to find a gun and she has to kill her attackers on the boat. And then all of a sudden she is running to get on another boat and she plummets to her death. I mean, it was such a tragic series of events, but also funny in the sense that I think we were all picking up on the irony that she said without even realizing it was the it was the drastic difference between sedative Tanya, who just goes with the flow and is very like oh my god this is a perfect lunch like she's just not really doing anything to fighting for her life like we see that Tanya has something there, um, staying on fiend with Tanya, she talks about Greg um, and how rotten he is. And he is, and she would love to see something happen there and there be some sort of resolution and Tanya get like a little bit of a oomph and, you know, something karma come for Greg. But Mike White writes so true to reality that it probably won't. And that's so true because even going back to season one, You know, nothing happens to the characters that something should, you know, and sometimes we don't get the answers that we need, and that is life. Sometimes there is no resolution, there is no happy ending, there is no, you know, gratification that we want to see in that moment. I also thought it was interesting that Jennifer says that when she was younger, she was a waitress, and a lot of her jobs were in the kitchen, and she found herself also just as a person kind of similar to Tanya, just kind of stagnant, not really doing a lot, slow-moving, and she would always fall in love with the angry, fast-moving chefs that could make her feel... Um, less than them, like they felt so powerful, whereas she felt so meek, and she was so drawn to that torpedo of energy, sort of, Um, and I thought that was really interesting, especially keeping in mind what she said earlier in the interview, that when she could have really used the momentum of her career and taken off after Legally Blonde and her 90s movies, she got wrapped up in males, validation, dating, and It kind of tracks, you know, like that powerful masculine figure is so attractive, but also is so damning. And the contrast to Greg not looking like the typical person who's like that, he seems very calm at the start. He seemed very endearing and empathetic. That, that probably is more accurate to reality in terms of a narcissist or a person who's manipulative. You know, it's not always visible. So I love that reality in White Lotus as well. It's interesting as well. I thought this was a really fun tidbit. If you're a White Lotus fan, you'll love this. The idea from White Lotus came from being on a safari with Jen. So I don't remember hearing this, but... I guess Mike White and Jen were on a trip together and, you know, part of their flight over on such a small plane with such rich, fancy, elegant people was, you know, picking up on some of the interesting quirks that they have and some of the strange things that they were doing. And I think that that inspired Mike White and then Jen says as he's watching her seem so incapable with all of these wild animals like on a safari and like so out of her element, you know, the idea that she could play Tanya and play it so well came into existence. And I thought that was so funny because first of all, how fancy do you have to be for Jennifer Coolidge to think that you're fancy? Because if I was on a small plane, I would be looking at her in the adoration and like, oh my God, you are, you know, everything, Hollywood elite, charismatic, whatever. And instead, they're both people watching, whoever they're on the plane with. So who the fuck were they on this plane with is the first question. The second question is, I'm going to be so honest, I forgot what the second question was. As I'm recording this, I saw B come into my house and I really tried to front like I could come back into this with the same thought I had a minute ago and I completely lost it. So that was for one of one, sorry, one out of one questions I have about that instance because that just really captivated my mind. I want to end with Jeremy ending the interview with asking Tanya if she thinks that she will be back for season three of White Lotus, because this is what I think all of us are wondering, you know, is she going to be back? What is going to happen? And I loved her answer because she said Tanya is a lot, you know, so even though people may want to see Tanya again, she is so much and such a character that you know, maybe she's not meant to be in another season. So I liked that she's kind of open to, you know, having it, having herself in it, not being in it. Um, The reality of her character being kind of annoying and just being really self-aware of that. Because I love Tanya, but she is annoying. She's so helpless and unaware and up her own ass and conceited, you know. So for Jennifer to be aware of the character that she's playing, I thought that that was super, super funny. I want to end this episode with a question. So I want to try something new. When you listen to this, I want you to message me on Instagram. And you don't have to send me a long message. You can just send me your thoughts. You can send me a voice message. I want to know what you think about therapists being on television. I mentioned earlier that I've been talking about the ultimatum queer love a lot on my TikTok. And my opinion is that when you cast such a... Complex, such a complex series of individuals with a lot of trauma, a lot of history, a lot of baggage in the relationship that to be aware of all of that and do such vetting, mental screenings, therapy. Just a reminder too, if you haven't listened to my episode with Nick Thompson, go back and listen to it or go back and listen to my episode with Danielle Rule, both of which are from Love is Blind and can give firsthand testament to what it's actually like being on a Netflix reality show, the actual level of therapy that was offered, the follow through that's on that, the vetting that went through before selecting them, knowing their history. Knowing anything that they have, their triggers. So go back and listen to that. And this is just to say, for the ultimatum, they select individuals who they've vetted a lot. They've done therapy screenings. I'm sure that they have done the evaluations that they give. And they still select these individuals. And my opinion is that a therapist should be present then that we can see on screen to help these couples. They know that the reactions are going to be toxic at times. They know that they are going to be volatile at times. So have a therapist come out similar to how they do on 90 Day Fiance or similar to how they do on Married at First Sight. And when a a partner is trying to leave the house and leave the altercation or potentially escalate the conversation in a way it didn't need to be, to come in, talk about that, and how to redirect that. See if there's growth. Come back and talk about it again. Um, That is my perspective. I've been putting that on TikTok, especially in regards to Ozzy that we see on the season. Ozzy has so much childhood trauma, pain, baggage from not being able to come out to family members. And I think that watching that truly made me feel even more that we should be able to see a therapist handle this and help Ozzy through this. So I want to know what you think about therapy on reality television. A lot of people are saying then it would be boring and we probably wouldn't watch. And is that true? You know, is it true that if you're watching a reality love show, I'm not saying this goes for Jersey Shore or Real Housewives. I do think that if a ha- like if in the middle of an argument, a therapist comes out, it's going to ruin it on a show like that. But they're trying to find love. This isn't a show about 10 women who have big personalities put together and showing their life and seeing if they can be friends. This is about potentially leaving one partner For someone new to explore an entirely new relationship, a new partnership, and the high-risk situation that comes with dating, is it really something that's ruined by having a therapist there? Or does that not add an element that could be there for us to learn at home, for us to see individuals potentially have a better relationship? Because can any of these relationships even be given a fair shot that they're exploring with their reactions present and no help. And I'm I've heard, you know, that Tiff said that therapy, you know, was offered. I've heard no follow-up from that. I don't know if it was offered and they're not getting daily sessions. I don't know if it's offered and they're talking daily. I don't know if it's offered but they get it before the start of the show and at the end. You know, I really have no details. So On my separate podcast, I'm going to go further into Ultimatum Queer Love, hopefully have some of the cast members on the show to speak for themselves about what the experience was like. But I just want to know what you think about reality television and having a therapist on. So message me your thoughts. That's what I want to close with. I'm open to everything and just kind of sharing my take. Who knows? Maybe someday I will write my own show with my friend, And we will shout out Brie. I'm going to say her name. Shout out Brie. Maybe me and Brie will write our own show and we will have healthy relationship aspects in it. But let me know your thoughts on this. Stay tuned for my new podcasts. I'm so excited to use this podcast as the hub, the information source, keep you guys updated on all the reality, you know, gossip, entertainment, all of the pop culture stuff, all of the interviews, and, you know, use my other podcast as a wing and room to deep dive because you know that I can get into things. So stay tuned for the next episode. Send some love to this episode. As I said, send me a message. I just would love to hear back from you all. And thank you for tuning into Positively Uncensored.